He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, and an absolute uh, thrill for me. Uh, this is someone I, I grew up idolizing uh, as a guitarist. He, uh, he made me uh, want to be a guitarist. And I, I was blown away when I uh, first heard Electric Rendezvous, and I, uh, I, I just, I, I've never gone long without listening to that album over and over and over again. Uh, his latest is Across the Universe, and I don't care if you're a Beatle fan or not. I imagine uh, most of you are Beatle fans, but uh, what a beautiful album this is. Uh, it's a follow-up to Opus, which was, uh, I mean, uh, maybe one of his best albums, and that's saying quite a bit. Aldi Miola, uh, Emmy, uh, I'm sorry, Grammy Award-winning. Uh, Aldi Miola is our very special guest. And you could see him in person. I'll be there, and I'll be talking, and I've been talking about it prior to this and uh, you all know I'm very excited about seeing him he's coming on the 22nd uh, that's this Thursday to the Suffolk Theater and it is a must see uh, it's just absolutely must see him there I'll see you guys all there we'll be talking about it after we let him go but without further ado let me introduce the great Al Miola. Al how are you very good thank you very much nice to be here you know, I just had a show last night, and I'm I'm off today, so it was a a good day to uh, stretch out and uh, do some interviews. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the show in Riverhead. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. It's a nice place to see a show. It sounds good. Um, I, I I'm just curious. I mean, after doing this all these years, and I mean, whether it's with bands, with uh, with trios, uh, by yourself, uh, how much different does this feel? this time around than it uh than it did you know let's say even 20 years ago is, is there a big big difference in feel or is it basically the same process that you go through oh well it's it's a loaded question because it's um uh how do i answer it uh it's it's definitely harder <laughs> you know to, you know we just did a six-week tour of europe and man it was it was just you know you know, if it was 20, 30 years ago, you know, any kind of like cancellation or any kind of, um, you know, like uh, airline cancellation or lost bags, you know, we would have like laughed about it. But but it was it was it was harder this time because it was also extremely hot in Europe, you know, like it was here, you know, so it was it was like 10 degrees hotter than normal. And, and so it was uncomfortable. Uh, but we went back like gangbusters you know it was all of a sudden we got we got tons of offers because the summer before was very light as because we were just coming out of covid and um yeah so it was uh it was the only great part is the playing part you know that's that's the only you know the only time you're on stage like when i'm rehearsing on stage or or playing the show is it's it's it makes it all worthwhile so that's cool uh, what's different is, um, you know, there's no record stores, you know, and, and, and records used to be, you know, our central, you know, kind of go to, you know, at that at that time, whether it's the store or when you got home, you put on a record. It's things have changed, you know, and, uh, you know, I kind of some some ways I like the old way better, you know. Yeah. 
Let me ask you, is there a, is there a lot of material that you've recorded that we've never heard? Is there a... There's, there's some. There's some. I don't know how much. Uh, I won't say there's a ton that I want to release. Uh, although I do have a lot of tapes. I do have a lot of two-inch reels uh, in, a, in a like a tape vault room type of room that that ranges from a lot of primarily live shows rather than studio uh and one one of which i we just released uh, which was a surprise i think to many uh and that was the um, the follow-up to friday night in san francisco which which is that it was called saturday night because we we played two nights at the warfield theater in san francisco back in 1980 so i took the the, the pieces that uh, didn't wind up on Friday night, and I and uh, I went to Saturday night, and I found those those other pieces that we couldn't fit on the record. So Saturday night is a completely different set of music, but it was from the same theater, same three guys, same same uh, date one day later. Let me remind folks, if you're just tuning in a little late or you're just turning on your radios a little late, Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, Al Miola. Uh, virtuoso guitarist and Grammy-winning, uh, you know, writer and songwriter. But uh, as a guitarist, he's second to none. Uh, he's on anyone's Rushmore, and uh, just absolutely amazed uh, to uh, to see him again this Thursday. We'll be seeing him at the Suffolk Theater in Riverhead. We urge everyone who's within area to get down here and see him. Uh, Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Al Di Miola is our very special guest. Uh, Al, uh, you, you talked about preparation and, uh, and you know, and, and being slower. Do you do anything um, differently either with your, with your hands or even with your whole body uh, to kind of work out, almost like an athlete would do before a, uh, before a tour? Um, do you have any uh, kind of prep that you do now that you didn't do 20 years ago? No, not really. I, I, I do warm up uh, a bit. It's always good to just, you know, not not begin playing after not playing, uh, even if it's just for one day. It's 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 really important to um, to just run through some scales or or basically some of the some of the new music, and and get get the fingers uh, you know moving again. Um, because there are there are some new challenges, you know, as as the years have passed, unfortunately. But you know, uh, you just have to keep uh, keep at it. You know, it's just like the body; you have to keep the body moving, man. You know, you have to get out there and do the walks and the runs. And you know, if you if you remain lethargic, even if it's just the hands uh, not moving, that you know, you can have problems. You know. What was the last time you saw something on guitar, whether it was from yourself or someone else, that you thought to yourself, "My God, that's that's something I've never seen before," or that's a different approach? Oh, there's a lot of kids now. There's a lot of young guys. Uh, when I when I get online and uh, I just do some you know searching, or it just pops up some, some new new kid from some foreign country. Oh my God, there's more now than ever before. Um, there's a whole lot of them. I can't even go down the list of names. There's just so many. So, so, and that's just guitar, other instruments as well. There's really like just an unbelievable amount of great, young, phenomenal talent out there that I, I, I care about. I, I care that they, 
they might not ever see the glory of the record business like we we went through and had and we were privileged to have uh, back in the 70s because it's over you know they will never get you know the chance to 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 experience walking into a record store and seeing their records in a, in a bin you know amongst all these other records I mean that that was to me the big thrill was to walk into a store and see my records, you know, displayed. Especially when it first came out and it was like a special kind of display, uh, you know that 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 was something. Or going to record stores and doing signing and all. There's no stores. It's gone. You know that that that's something they want to experience. Now now as far as these these new players. There's one in particular I, I uh, came across that I think he's like the the best of the new generation with the whole new style. He plays with his with his right hand. He doesn't use a pick, uh, but he's not a flamenco guitarist, which all flamenco guitarists, you know, use their fingers to to, to actually do the the picking hand. Uh, but this guy's playing a wide range of of, of style, but but mind blowing. Like, 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 totally mind blowing. His name is Matteo Mancuso. So Matteo Mancuso comes from Sicily, and pretty remote, right? And he somehow just completely annihilated, you know, most guitarists around the world. <laughs> so this summer, uh, my agent said, "This you got a gig offer to play in the south of Italy." Uh, with Matteo Mancuso, I said, "Oh, absolutely." Well, and I had then I had to think about it. I said, "Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, sure." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we played together, and and he, he's 25 years old. He looks like he's 15. He's very short. He's like a whole head shorter than me, and you know, and I, I'm not very tall, but but you know, he's just the nicest kid, but a mind blower uh, in terms of um his you know his ability to 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 do things that that we might not have heard before um now what he's uh including in his set is are a lot of the, the fusion classics so what is not known is if he can write so you know i think the longevity of a player uh also comes down to the element of composing which was something that, um, you know, I I was lucky enough to find that I had the ability to do and also develop and see it evolve. And I was kind of pushed to to compose because of because of Chick Corea wanting all of us in in the band Return to Forever to compose, which at the time I thought was was absolutely ridiculous and I had no desire because first of all I didn't know if I could compose and I really enjoyed playing Chick stuff. A lot. I was a big fan. Yeah. But he he kind of pushed us to write, and and you could find out rather quickly whether you have you know that other ability. You know, a lot of people think they can write, and it's actually kind of not so great to listen to. You know, and everything kind of then is focused on the improvisation part or or the technique. You know, so even though I was known in the very beginning as uh, a very technical you know, play with, with a certain amount of velocity. Um, I think the longevity of my career more had to do with my composing 
because you know I have 35 solo records out, and you know how much how much technique and velocity do you want to hear? You know, it's like uh, you know what I mean. So a young player like Mancuso uh, will, will you know he's got a lot of time to to develop that side of him. And and then he should also learn how to read music, which he doesn't. He's got a phenomenal ear, but but I I always stress the importance of reading music. Very important because when it comes time to composing, uh, you want to write down all of these ideas because if the tune is uh, you know God forbid more than four minutes, you know you 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 know you want to be able to have your band members read this music. Yeah. We have to teach them. It'll take forever. You know? Al, keep your thought. Frank McKay here. You're hearing the voice of Al DiMiola, the great Al DiMiola. You could see him this Thursday at the Suffolk Theater in Riverhead. Frank McKay signing off just for now. We'll be back with our second half of our Al DiMiola interview. Frank McKay coming back at you right after this. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the great Aldi Miola and the Grammy Award winning guitarist. And I, I don't even know what to, uh, uh, what to say any more about him. He's, uh, he's heard everything you could uh, you could imagine he just if if you just tuning in again uh, 35 solo albums god knows how many uh, how many appearances on on different uh, 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 albums but return to forever he mentioned the work with T- chick and um, uh, lenny white and uh, and stanley clark I, I mean i can't imagine a greater uh, collection of talent and i saw them live at the palladium uh, uh, you know a while back as a kid and uh, i just i was blown away uh al Miola, welcome back thank you nice to be back well l- listen you you started talking a little bit about um, about composing and and the fact that Chick uh, encouraged the the rest of you, the three of you, to uh, to start composing. And you know, you said, oh, "I thought that was ridiculous or whatever." I, I mean, thank God, right? I mean, think of think of uh, what what life would have been like. You said velocity and speed and and uh, and technique. I, you know, it could only take you so far. I, I consider you a, a great composer, and you know, I'm a fan. I'm a, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm a, uh, uh, you know, uh, guitarist. Uh, you know, I hate to even say that to Al Demiel, but uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, I look at it differently. But I see you as a, as a wonderful composer. Is there anything in particular that you've written? that you wish got more attention or oh yeah yeah of course i mean a lot, a lot how about my last 10 records <laughs> <You know? laughs> my last 15 records you know i mean because because things have been whittling down you know in in in, in the record industry it's been less and less and less and less uh as time went on we're not in the heyday I mean, of uh, I, I, I mean, I wasn't happening in the '60s. That's for sure. I was just a kid. But you know, when you when you look back to the '60s and the '70s, it all started to change in the '80s, in some in some some regards because fusion, well, for me, exciting fusion, um, the, the fusion that I love, like Weather Report and and, and 
Ma Vishnu and Return to Forever and you know and all the derivatives of that kind of thing kind of became um uh I won't say not as popular, but what took over on, on radio was the smooth elevator music jazz. And you know, it wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea. You know, it was it wasn't exciting music at all. It was more like a, a background music you put on in a beauty parlor or in a, or in a shopping mall or something. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, what, what, now what was it? Yeah. What was the question? I well, yeah, I was asking about compose. I, I was I meant more of a specific work, uh, you know, of of uh, something that you think should get more attention. Just for some reason, it hasn't. But let me let me just ask you one quick. Uh, well, there's a lot. There's a lot of my records that should have gotten should have gotten much more critical acclaim, in my opinion. Um, but I think that, you know, early on, uh, because of the electric nature and the emphasis on um, a, a certain amount of uh, technical display, um, unfortunately, we were covered by jazz critics, and some of them were very old school, you know, so they, they were not really fans of the jazz rock thing, but they had to cover the jazz rock thing in terms of critiquing it and so once once we got kind of in, in my estimation almost like blacklisted in a certain sense when when it came to being voted on for certain awards but there was plenty of my records that should have um gotten way way more attention and then you had the others the other side of things where you have a lot of fans in particular in the united states who uh may have preferred uh, the electric side, what they know of me, like the race with devil crowd, you know, and I, and I understand that, but there's a couple of things with that. And even though I had returned to that every now and then, um, I had to be very careful because, you know, I have a full life of playing through amps and loud drummers and all kinds of things that have, you know, can create a lot of, um, problems for hearing, you know, so, so, uh, I was lucky to have developed an acoustic persona because of my work in Europe in particular. And then when we did the John McLaughlin and Papa de Lucia thing, I saw in my 20s, I saw that, that the future is will be extremely bright for acoustic music. If, if not for the United States, it would be for Europe. So I had done... Uh, more of my work in Europe because there was a, a, a much bigger appreciation for acoustic music there. And over here that, you know, it was a little bit, you know, uh, it was a little different. There was, was still that electric side, you know, that uh, they were, they were hoping for. So I understand some of that too, you know. Let me remind folks, you're hearing the voice of Al Miola, uh, Grammy award winner and uh, you know, 35, solo albums i mean just think of that 35 solo albums and uh, and so much more uh, to his credit frank mckay here with uh guitar virtuoso al di miola uh, al were you a big fan of bitches brew when it came out yeah yeah immediately big time. big time yeah um it was the turning it was the turning point for me um and and you know uh well, it was it was it was the beginning of the you know the whole fusion movement really, um, so it's a record that I can't so much listen to now, 
But at the time, it was groundbreaking. I mean, just consider who was on that record. It was every every fusion uh, leader. Chick Corea, you had Herbie Hancock, you had John McLaughlin, you had Billy Cobham, you had, you know, Lenny played on, Lenny White played on there, um, Jack DeJohnette, you had Keith Jarrett, he had Ayrton uh, Morera. So you had all of the, the guys that that launched uh, their offshoot kind of uh, own groups off that off right after Bitches Brew became uh, John launched Ma Vishnu. Oh, and there was Joe Zawano was on the record as well. Yeah. And Joe Zawano launched the, the 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 amazing Weather Report. Oh my God, what a band! I mean, you know, there's nothing like that today. Sorry. I mean, no. there's nothing, nothing, nothing like what the excitement that was happening in the mid seventies. Uh, I just don't hear it, you know, because it doesn't exist. There's great players, but but the vision of that time, you know, was was something else. And, and Return to Forever was more of let's say the composition band, even though we were playing a million miles an hour. The, the compositions were hardy. I mean, it came from a kind of classical, chicks classical and jazz background, but but these were long charts. Weather Report was more of a conceptual band. Amazing, but completely different. And and Ma Vishnu was more of a jam band. You know, there wasn't a lot of composition there at all, but it was exciting as hell. We've never seen anything like it. You know. So that's my take. Well, listen, we got we got about three minutes left, and I don't know if this is too big a question to uh, to ask, or maybe it's a quick answer. Uh, do you do you have a, uh, a for lack of a better term a bucket list? Is there anything left for you to do that uh, that you haven't done that that's kind of hanging out there for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know I. I came close to doing something with McCartney because I was his next door neighbor when I was making that Beatle tribute. No kidding. Yeah, mm. I mean it, the story behind that is so cool because I, I ten years ago I had the idea. Well, I had it from long before that, but I finally ten years ago made the move to do my own renditions of Lennon and McCartney's work. And to make a long story short. I settled on doing it at Abbey Road because I had some days off in my European tour. And and they only had one day open, but two other days became free. So I had three days. I went back to New York after that, completely blown away happy because the sound was great. The inspiration being there was like second to none. One of the greatest things I've ever done or pulled off is, is doing that on my own dime. Wow. I I paid for the whole thing myself because I wasn't going to wait for a record company to approve it and all of that. It was like a momentary decision. They have one one day open next week on Monday. Bam! I flew over from uh, Prague, I believe I was where I was at the time, and being in there and and nothing had changed. It was the same floors and wall and and exactly the same parquet floor that they recorded on and. Oh my God! I, the same piano as when you play that little tack piano. You hear "Oh bloody, oh bloody" immediately. Okay, so mm. it was you know that that turned into uh, 
one of the better projects of my my career in terms of satisfaction because I felt like a five year old at Disney World, you know, as an adult. So I I went then went to New York City to um, to try to finish it, but I couldn't match the sound sonically. Uh, Abbey Road was just far superior to even the best studios in New York. So I I decided to take some time before I go back to London to finish it to just take my time arranging the rest of the pieces. So I wanted to get away from home and I, I wound up renting a house out in Long, Eastern Long Island in the Hamptons. Just I just looked in the paper and I found this little house. And it just so happens that my next door neighbor was Paul McCartney and he was there. <laughs> so here I am watching Paul pull in and out of the driveway in his brown, old brown Rolls Royce. And he also had a dark green uh, Chevy Bronco, I think it was. And I, I watched him for five days pull in and out of the driveway while I was arranging his songs. And we did we did meet and we, we did talk and we did meet and I was kind of vague about a lot of stuff. And in fact, I made it a point not to tell him who I was because I was just so kind of fearful I would have been embarrassed if he didn't know. And so I just didn't I didn't touch on it. But then a year later I had a finished record packaged came out phenomenal i thought and and my wife who was then my fiance she 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 said why don't you write him a little like one page a couple paragraph letter of what the beatles meant to you growing up i said yeah it's a great idea and put it in the cd so when 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 he came in the driveway with the brown rose Royce, she goes now run over there and give it to him i said oh no 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 (laughs) so she so she grabbed it and she, she runs over there and I said, I, I'll never forget as she was running over there, I said, this girl really, really cares. I'm going to marry this girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So it's, it's a true story. And, and it was, it was a great thrill in my life because that was a bucket list wish yeah. just to meet them. But I got to tell you that the end of my first tour with Return to Forever in 1974, the end of the first tour, which began, my first gig was at Carnegie Hall. So nervous as all, I was 19, nervous as all hell. But at the end of that tour, three-week tour, we went into the studio in New York, and John Lennon was in the next room. So I got to see John record. Wow. And, you know, being a Beatles uh, freak to this day, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to reflect back on. Well, listen, I, I, wow, I wish I had more time with you. Uh, maybe we can get you back for a part two, a part three, part four, whatever. Uh, Frank McKay here. Al, do you have a website or a social media site to point us to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, go, you know, I have a Facebook official site, you know, that we use more often. Uh, if you go there, that would be good. Well, listen, uh, it, just absolutely, absolutely great talking to you, and we'll uh, we'll be talking to you uh, more about you after the show and uh, and and everything. So, uh, Al Dimiola, thank you very much for being here. Congratulations on an amazing career. Well, if you want, you can come come before the show, and uh, if you would like to introduce, uh, I'd, I'd be honored to have you do that. Absolutely, that would be great. That would be All great. Right. Al Dimiola, thank you very much for being here. You got it. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone. 
to breaking it down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the fight of our lives, my time with Zelensky, Ukraine's battle for democracy and what it means for the world is uh, is taking the world by storm. It is uh, it is an absolute must get. And uh, it is uh, it is out. It's getting rave reviews and everyone who gets their hands on it. I've ordered two uh, already and we got to we we've got to get the story out. Uh, uh, Julia Mendel is our very special guest and she's the author of it. Uh, and and she has uh, worked so closely with President Zelensky, and I was over in, in the Ukraine uh, about two weeks after the war started, and uh, covering uh, a, a lot of the refugee situation. And let me just tell you, um, Yulia uh, is a heroic figure, as is President Zelensky, and and we got to get behind them. Uh, get the book, everyone. Again, it's called The Fight of Our Lives: My Time with Zelensky. Ukraine's battle for democracy and what it means for the world. Yulia, how are you? Uh, hi, Frank. Thank you for having me. It's my honor to talk to your audience. Well, listen, thrilled to have you. And uh, can you can you give us uh, a little uh, a little taste of the book? We want people to to, to buy it. But in uh, in preparing this book, um, uh, any any surprises that came to your mind that uh, that you you weren't necessarily thinking of, but when you sat down to write, uh, all of a sudden it came to you. Uh, let's say this is a personal story of my life, but through this personal story, I'm showing the story of my country, how Ukraine turned into uh, the biggest territory of freedom and democracy in post-Soviet territory. And I'm telling about Zelensky turning from the image of the comedian into the president and the leader in war and telling my personal story of how I became his press secretary. Do you know that I won the competition of around 4,000 applicants? I still cannot believe that. And, uh, uh, you know, he wanted to build a country on meritocracy because this is how he built his uh, big uh, uh, business. And that's how he personally stood against Russia when Russia tried to ban this business in Ukraine or to penetrate into Ukrainian spheres life such as in information or entertainment but uh what is very important that the world really underestimated Zelensky. everybody was thinking about him as a comedian because this was the most popular his role on the other hand he is a lawyer he's got a law degree and he's like you know a big businessman and i'm explaining this in the book trying to show him in different situations like for instance he was going to front lines in donbass because russia first invaded donbass in 2014 and he never was afraid to go to the front line and to handshake with soldiers even if there was shelling and his personal security did not allow him to go there, he still was going there to say, I'm a leader, like, and I'm staying with you in difficult situations under the threat, right? I'm, uh, and uh, like, he, he didn't want to escape. So when he was invited to leave the country, I was not surprised that he stayed. I need ammunition, not a right. This is like the full portrait of Zelensky, a tough guy, and the guy whom you more you press him, the more he resists. Uh, that's what I've seen for two years working with him, and that's what I describe in the book, The Fight of Our Lives. I mean, to see someone that is uh, is so prepared... I, I, I can't imagine anyone being more prepared than what President Zelensky uh, has done. And, yeah, I mean, at first uh, they talked about a comedian. 
Um, you know, I know people were uh, trying to minimize what he was. I, I, ca I can't imagine that you could build a better leader than, uh, than, than what has emerged as, uh, as Ukrainians, uh, really, best hope for, uh, for their democracy. I, I just, uh, you know, I, again, uh, maybe all of the, the work that he's done in entertainment and in law and, and just the combination of it um, developed this, uh, this man to, uh, to be able to handle this. Uh, are you surprised at how well he handled it, or were you, uh, I, were you uh, going in with a whole different attitude? Uh, I, I've got to believe there's a, there's a little um, positive surprise in there. Uh, in my book, there is one situation when we come to Donbass, and there was a big bridge that Zelensky initiated to re restore. The bridge was connecting the occupied territory of Ukraine and, and, and uh, a free territory of Ukraine. And when we arrived there, the security didn't allow us to go, for the reason that on the other side of the bridge there were Russians and separatists with weapons, and there were Russian television. Zelensky was with another leader from another country, and so, you know, it was really, there could be something. It was a Hollywood scenario, right? It could, could develop like to a tragedy. He insisted. He was fighting with the security for some time, and then he insisted to go there because it was important for him to show Russia that he was not afraid. Russia plays with emotions. Russia tries to scare everyone. He, it was needed for him to go to show that he is the leader of this uh, land. This is the type of Zelensky. So, um, of course, you know, nobody uh, expects... Uh, how he would behave during the war like i don't think that any leader in the world despite of if he or she has political experience or doesn't have this political experience wants like to have this war this is like the worst that can actually a leader hold but i think he is doing great job for the reason that he united not only ukrainians but he united the whole civilized world around ukraine and that's exactly how the whole world showed that they do not agree to autocracy they do not agree to genocidal practices and to repeating the horrors of the past that's exactly what putin is doing repeating the horrors of world war ii of genocidal practices of inter interficial uh, famine and and the world say no we we don't agree so here we all are standing for democracy and we must stand until russia stops killing Yulia, I, I I've got to believe that he's a he's a constant uh, assassination target. Um, where of course, if they know where he is, they start bombing in the areas. And I I mean, is that is that just a, an assumption that I have, or is it a constant um, chess game of of keeping the president um, secure and and uh, and quiet where he's going? Uh, is, is that part of this? Uh, well, uh, of course, we keep the president secure. <laughs> this is uh, uh, the institution of the president, and we elected him de de democratically with like record 73%, and now he has over 90% of support. And we want him to lead the country because Ukrainians see that he did not, he, he did not run away. He stayed with us, and he did the job and does the job great. So, yeah, we take care, and and this is the pro like 
like all the every country would take care about their leader right at the same time look he is not afraid to go to the regions and in fact he is uh, welcoming leaders when russia sends missiles to kiev uh, he is going to occupy kharkiv even if Russia still attacks Kharkiv region, uh, he was going to Mykolaiv, and this is just near the front lines, and Russia attacks Mykolaiv uh, a lot. So, I mean, he wants to be with the people. It means he, he tries to show them the support, and even his appearance means a lot. Um, and he holds all the information. Look, uh, yesterday we learned that there was the mass grave in only one of the occupied uh, uh, villages of, of Kharkiv region and it holds 440 bodies. Can you imagine that? He was there and and he came back with this information and what he wants to do, he wants to stop this war, but he wants also Russia to hold accountable for all the horrors it's done. Yuli, I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. I wish I could talk to you forever. Uh, congratulations mm-hmm. on the book and the rave reviews and the response that it's getting and, and the wonderful work you did with uh, President Zelensky. Um, can you give us a website, a social media site where we could follow along with the book and what you're doing? Well, the book, The Fight of Our Lives, is on Amazon, but of course, I'm on Twitter. I'm tweeting a lot. If you want to be a Ukrainian insider, read the book, The Fight of Our Lives, and follow me on Twitter, Yulia Mandel. I-U-L-I-I-A, Mandel. (laughs) Yulia, thank you very much for being here. Congratulations once again. It's my honor to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Yulia Mandel, uh, former spokesperson for... President uh, Vladimir Zelensky, and um, hey, you know what? It's uh, it, it's it, you know fascinating subject. Uh, a deadly um, battle is going on. A fight for his life, and you know, I I was going to ask her if we had more time to get a, a status report, but I. I don't know that you're going to get anything. You know, she's the spokesperson. She's uh, she's in spin mode, right? So the thing is, I, I, I would love to know what's going on. Uh, I, I went over for 15 days to the Ukraine right after it. Uh, well, I was in uh, the Ukraine for five days and uh, 15 days uh, in the all total in the in the neighboring countries, uh, Romania, uh, Moldova and uh, and Poland and spent a lot of time with the refugees and working with the refugees and um, shooting documentary work, which will come out a little later. But uh, this is, um, you know, to me, uh, just uh, just a, a very sad situation. And, uh, you know, listen, a, a, lot can, a lot can be said. Uh, the fight of our lives, my time with Zelensky, uh, Ukraine's battle for democracy and what it means for the world is the uh, is is the name of the book, and Yulia Mendel is the author, former press secretary for Zelensky, and uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with the great 
absolutely great, Sid Rosenberg, and uh, he is part of the uh, the the best top rated show in New York, top rated uh, talk. And again, this is in Idaho, and Bernie and Sid in the morning is just uh, taking the world by storm, and just absolutely great. His uh, his two books that I have is uh, "You're Wrong and You're Ugly: Highs and Lows of uh, uh, Well, actually the the." We'll talk about the other book, but You're Wrong and You're Ugly, The Highs and Lows of a Radio Bad Boy is just absolutely terrific. But you've got to get, it's a must get, you got to get two of them, one for yourself and one for somebody who just doesn't give a damn about anything. And it's called Citizens United, and it is uh, it is just a must get for everyone. Sid Rosenberg, how are you? Hey, Frank, thank you for the kind words. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I wrote that first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, with the help of Paul Schwartz, who actually covers the New York football giants up here for the New York Post. It's been 12 years already. I can't believe it's been 12 years. But uh, this new book, Citizens United, has really caught the attention of a lot of folks. I've been on a lot of shows like yours, Frank, and Fox News and Newsmax and podcasts like Bill O'Reilly and Taz Parmentary and Adam Carolla coming up. And folks uh, in all different genres and all, all different professions really love the book. So if you love your family, you love your country, you love your sports teams, you love America, you're going to love this book. And if you don't like any one of those, you're not going to want this book. And in that case, I don't even want you to buy the book. (laughs) But listen, this is what people want, right? People want truth at this point. They want, uh, they want somebody that's, uh, that doesn't have a filter. That's not uh, worried about corporate. And you've been like that your whole career. Uh, This must feel good. This must feel like a, a, like a stream of consciousness and just to get it out in, in book form and to get the rave reviews that you're getting, it's got to feel good. Nah, it's like it does. It feels great. And, and there is a, 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 a sense of lethargic, uh, not lethargic, that's what I'm looking for, cathartic that comes with, uh, with the book and, and writing it. And the response has been very rewarding. And yeah, look, I mean, that, that's been my, my nature on the air from, from day one. I, I don't particularly care what other people think, what other people care about. I'm not nervous. You know, my wife is terrified. Every day I go on the air, Danielle's like, oh, my God, thank God you made it. The next day is cards the works at the building. She's so scared I'm going to get fired every day. But I don't worry about the cancel culture. Look, the truth is it's not nearly as bad as people make it out to be. They've been trying to get people like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity for years. They didn't get it. Now, if you go out, you rape somebody, you kill somebody, you're going to be in big trouble. But I think uh, the, the cancel culture is a bit overrated, a bit uh, exaggerated. There are a lot of Republicans like me, a lot of conservatives like me, who are sick and tired of Joe Biden, Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, all these types, Gavin Newsom. And uh, they talk every day all over the place, and they're not getting fired. So uh, if I have the opportunity to change somebody's mind or just be heard, I'm going to do it. And if they don't like it, it's an old Jewish expression, F them. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, you mentioned 12 years between 12 books years. here. Uh, if you think about it, uh, it what was your— what was your anticipation of the second run? And it's a huge run that you're on right now, and it doesn't look like it's uh, it's ending anytime soon. Uh, what was the anticipation of this run that you're on uh, compared to how it actually turned out? Well, I was very, very close with my father, and uh, very, very close. And he died uh, two summers ago. Yeah. And I can tell you, 27 months later, it still kills me every day. I miss him, miss him a lot, especially now during Giant Games and football season. So uh, I went to the publisher. They said, hey, Sid, how about writing another book? Uh, my first book was written by Triumph Books, which is a small publishing house out of Chicago. They do mostly sports books. 
Now I got approached by Postal Press and Simon and Schuster. Doesn't get bigger than that. And they said, hey, how about write another book? And I said, yeah, what about my dad? You know, like Kim Russert, who was the great moderator of Meet the Press. He wrote a book about his father when he died called Big Russ. It did very well. I said, so in the spirit of Kim Russert's book, I want to do the same thing for my late, great father, Harvey. And they're like, Sid, that's great. We want to hear stories about you and your dad. But you're Sid Rosenberg, man. You're number one in New York City. We listen to you every morning. You could be talking about anything from your father. Next segment, Eric Adams. Next segment, Donald Trump. Next segment, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Next segment, Bill Sims. Why limit yourself to just your dad? You could put those stories in there, but we want everything. And I said, sure. And uh, that's how Citizens United was born uh, in theory about a year ago. I wrote it with my, uh, my author, Johnny Russo, over the last year. And it's been out now for about three weeks. How much uh, did you leave on the cutting room floor, so to speak? And, and was it because you just had too much material or did everything you write make it into the book? No, pretty much everything we wrote made it into the book. We didn't leave much on the cutting room floor. I mean, I left room to write more. I, I, I'm hoping this book does well enough, but they come back maybe for a part two and or a part three. Uh, and certainly the news cycle never stops, especially since Donald Trump came on the scene back in 2016. So there's always going to be something to write about, always plenty of stuff, by the way. So, no, I, I, we came in with a pretty clear idea we wanted to write about. We kind of scripted out the chapters beforehand, and we got it all in there. Now, unfortunately, it takes time to write a book, and things happen later. So we tried to scramble back, for example, during the January 6th hearings or when Russia first invaded Ukraine or, you know, during those types of things. You know, we, we couldn't make it, obviously, in time for the Donald Trump Mar-a-Lago raid, but things happen while you're writing the book you try to get it in until they give you that last date when it's basically the store is closed but we got we wanted into this book but there's plenty left if they want to write two or three more did you have doubters when you first came on and i don't know whether you read them the critics the media critics uh you know because you got your haters and uh and you know you've showed them of course but when when you first got back on air here in new york uh, did you have a lot oh. of folks just uh, cheering against you publicly? The majority. Uh, that's a great <laughs> question, Frank. The answer is the majority. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many blogs. They're like, no, no, you're going to do this again? Really? <laughs> Sid Rosenberg? Really? Didn't we do this already? Wasn't he supposed to be the giant game, but he was high in Atlantic City? Wasn't he? You're going to do this again? And, uh, yeah, I heard uh, that uh, all day, every day. I heard it even from writers in Miami. They were like, why is he leaving us to go back there? He barely made it here. Now he's going to go there. And all it did was fuel me. And look, it's been a great run here. I came back in January of 2016 with Bernie. I uh, came back and we took over the midday show when Geraldo Rivera left. And a very low-rated show on a very low-rated station. And now, six years later, with the number one morning news talk show in New York City by a distance, we've got a huge audience, a huge audience, I've written a book, I'm in TV shows, I'm in movies, I've done a magazine cover, I go from Fox News to Newsmax, just about everywhere, so this is an unprecedented, crazy run this second time around here in New York, and, and I hope you're right when you say it's not about to slow down anytime soon, but uh, most of the people thought I would fail, and uh, my detractors were very big in numbers, and uh, in the end, I don't hear from a lot of those folks these days. <laughs> no surprise. Listen, congrats on everything. I mean, it's uh, if anybody deserves uh, success and to take a victory lap, it's you. Uh, no end in sight. Can you give us a website, a social media site, and anything else you want to add before we let you go? 
Well, I think folks are going to enjoy the book. I do, Frank. Again, you know, the nice stories about me and my dad. I mean, you know, if you're a Trump guy, you're going to love it because I read a very nice chapter about Donald Trump. I do savage the Democrats. So liberals may not love the politics part of the book, but I urge them to still buy the book because of the other stories, the family stories, uh, my opinion on everything from Real Housewives of New Jersey to uh, Southern Charm. I, there's a whole chapter on Tom Brady and his career, whole chapter on the Jets and Giants. So I would urge people who aren't even on the same political page as me to still buy the book. I think they'll like it. Best way, go to Amazon. And that's the best way to buy the book, Citizens United. Right now, it's the number one new release in general broadcasting, easy to find. You can actually buy both books uh, on sale right now for $40. So uh, go check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, thanks for listening to me and Bernie. And Frank, thank you for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Sid. We'll be talking about the book as we let you go. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it, pal. You be well, buddy. The great Sid Rosenberg, Citizens United is the name of the book, and I, I've got one. I've read it. It's uh, it, it's just terrific. It's everything that you would imagine uh, he would he would be uh, he would be in book form. His uh, his first book was terrific too. I mean, I I love that book. Um, uh, you're wrong and you're ugly. The highs and lows of a radio bad boy. But uh, this is uh, this is different. I mean, it's uh, he gets he gets into uh, you know politics and uh, much heavier. And he and Bernie are just tremendous. And um, can't wait to hear those guys on again and uh, t- together. But Sid Rosenberg, get his book. It is a must. Get get two copies. Get one for yourself and one ju- for for somebody who just doesn't give a damn about anything. And uh, look, no filter. Um, he's uh, he's he's true. He's honest, and uh, whether they uh, they love him or hate him, you gotta you gotta give uh, give him his due. I almost said the devil is due. He's not the devil. He's uh, you know more people should be like this and be open. By the way, he's a great guy in person. I mean, people might think that he's uh, you know he's full of himself or what. He's not. He's just a, he's a terrific terrific guy. Um, Sid Rosenberg has been our very special guest. And he is, uh, you know, half of the number one show in New York. And as I said, this is in Idaho. It's not Kansas. I mean, he's number one in New York along with Bernie. And, uh, and, and the two of them uh, together are just absolutely great. He's, uh, he's got a trajectory that uh, takes him God knows where. But Sid Rosenberg has been our very special guest. The name of the book is Citizens United, uh, Salacious Spiels. Um, stories, suggestions, and solutions to withstand a woke world. Uh, Well said. Sid Rosenberg has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.